Hello and welcome into Inside the Pylon, the Quick Kicks podcast for Tuesday, January 26th. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here, and yesterday we covered the AFC Championship game with the Denver Broncos taking down the New England Patriots by two points, uh, largely due to some special teams miscues uh, by the New England Patriots. Today, talking about a game that I think, in, in my opinion, Mark, was probably the sneakiest blowout win in the history of the playoffs. It, it didn't seem that one-sided watching it, and then you look up at the score and you go, holy smokes, what happened here? I think that's exactly right. I mean, you look at how this game unfolds, and Carolina gets out to the 17-point lead. Going back through it, it wasn't like there was a lot of like big bad plays or huge plays or anything like that. It's just Carolina was just a better team and executed and a couple of mistakes here and there from Arizona and they just added up. Yeah, and it, it was just the the repeated mistakes, I think, from Arizona because watching through this game, and I rewatched this earlier today as well, and in particular, going through the first quarter, you get to a point where you're about you know, 10, 11 minutes in and it's 10 nothing Carolina, but it's it's been a fairly evenly matched game. Carolina had to drive the ball, long drive in order to uh, get that touchdown on the board there. And I think a critical point for me came towards the end of the first quarter there where uh, Arizona ended up with the ball and they go three and out on a series of plays where first they go wildcat with Johnson in the backfield don't get anywhere with it. Then they try the uh, that trick play from Larry Fitzgerald, trying to get him throwing a pass coming off, uh, you know, kind of a pitch to him from uh, a wide position. And then you end up with a play from Carson Palmer, where just gets completely swatted away by Norman right on the right sideline. And it seemed to me that after that, just the momentum right there started to tilt pretty strongly in Carolina's favor. What had been, I think, a more evenly matched game started to at least show, okay, this this defense here is going to be a very difficult challenge for Arizona to, to deal with. Yeah, and even step back, the drive before that, that was a Carolina's, Carolina's touchdown drive to make it 10-0. And that was set up by, again, 32-yard punt return, I think. And then he gets the ball on an end around, scores on an end around, has to cut back reverse field, and chasing it down from behind, escorting get into the end zone was Cam Newton. Yeah. Chasing that down from behind, trying to get in position to throw a block. And you see that, you can't help but get kind of fired up. Defense takes the field, and then as you said, Arians goes uh, with, with Wildcat, he goes Larry Fitzgerald on the reverse pass, and then that Norman play that got broken up, it was just a late break and throw came out of Palmer's throw. It looked the throw had some decent velocity on it, but it was just a long development play that Norman knocked down. That pretty much summed up the night, I think, for Arizona. I, even before that, there was a play you and I were talking about before. Arizona's open and drive. They had a third down. They get Carolina in cover two, and they're running one of their basic plays. I've written about it a ton. It's a Mills concept with Larry Fitzgerald on the inside on that underneath dig route. He's going to break wide open, but he falls. And as he's hitting the turf, Palmer has to kind of reverse field. He looks to the right, sails a throw to Floyd. They go three and out on their opening drive. And that pretty much from where I was sitting summed up the Arizona offense. And the other thing that I found watching this game was whether it was because of Carolina pressure or just for some reason unrelated to what was going on in front of him, 
Carson Palmer never seemed to have his feet set in the pocket. It always seemed like he was throwing off balance. Even when there wasn't pressure coming at him, it seemed like, and you've used the term, uh, was it riding the bicycle? Yeah. It seemed like he was always, his feet were always moving and never really set in, in a good rhythm. Right. And a great example of that is their second possession. It's another third down play. Carolina lines up. They sugar the A-gaps with both linebackers. They both blitz. I mean, they both drop off, excuse me, but they show two edge rushers off the edge blitzing. Palmer never has a chance, and his feet were never settled in this entire game. There was a strip sack where he got fumbled, gets pressured on the interior a little bit, tries to climb the pocket, gets hit, fumbles it. it his feet were never set. He was never comfortable, and like you said, it seemed like always trying to get on that bicycle, always trying to ride away from pressure, pedal, pedal away from pressure, and... I also think that, and he said it, he's not going out to the Pro Bowl. He's going to let his hand heal up a bit. I think there was a hand or a finger injury that seemed to bother him too because even when he had time, throws were sailing on him. Yeah, and part of it, I think, does come from the fact that Carolina, to their credit, did a phenomenal job mixing up their pressure packages in terms of where pressure was coming from when they were bringing it. You know, you had pressure coming up the middle sometimes, sometimes coming around the right edge, the left edge. And I think, you know, to a certain extent, even when Palmer might have had time, I think it just rattled him to a certain extent where he still felt pressure and, you know, seeing ghosts a little bit back there. And, and I think just wasn't able to really get himself in a good position to make a throw. Yeah. Now, it's flipping this a little bit, what did what were your takeaways from this Carolina offense? I came away, and I think the first thing that I saw there was an offensive line. And granted, Arizona has a, a pretty solid defensive front. It's not spectacular by any means, but I think it gets the job done. But I saw an offensive line that didn't appear to get good push through much of this game, and I wasn't particularly impressed with what I saw there. I did think this is an offense that is built really to and aside from obviously the long play to Brown but it's an offense that I think really has to grind out drives here and really has to pick up you know just two three four yards at a time in a lot of cases you occasionally get some big plays to a guy like Brown or maybe you get a big play to Olsen on a seam router maybe on a deep out that they had uh, late in the first half there but it's not an offense that I think is built to score 30 or 40 points a game. I think really, from my perspective, you know, they're going to have a real challenge against this Denver defense. And I think the key there in that game, you know, when we talk about heading into the Super Bowl, is going to be can the Carolina defense force some turnovers the same way they did today? What do you think? I think that's a fair assessment. One thing that stood out to me watching this Carolina offense is that they don't get one dimensional at all. And, you know, partly it's a function of you're playing with a lead so you can basically run your game plan and run your stuff. But you see the different ways that they can beat you. They can, you know, they can run the power game. They can run the power game with Cam Newton carrying the football. His, his touchdown run was a nice little pin-pull design. Yeah. Um, even with a run-pass option element in there as well because they send the running back in deep motion and Cam's got the decision where he's going to throw the screen pass or keep it himself. Uh, Ted Nguyen, one of our new contributors, he's working on something for that that should be up on inside the pylon when this airs. Um, so definitely check that out. They can run sort of the inside zone read or the split zone read with Stewart. Um, they've done that. They can throw the ball in a couple of different ways. They can run the screen game. They can throw some basic sort of passing concepts at you, like the Mills concept. I think the 
Uh, the Brown touchdown, I think, was also on the NCAA Mills concept where he had the post route. Um, they've got some receivers that are strangely sneaky athletic. And I don't know, we were talking before we came on, I don't know if it was just that Jefferson, that safety, had a really bad night. But on the Brown t- touchdown, Brown got him twisted around. Olsen got him twisted around on the post route too. So spinning this forward and thinking about the Super Bowl, Denver's defense is great, don't get me wrong. T- not taking anything away from them. But it's not going to be like the situation that Denver's defense faced in New England where you knew Tom Brady was going to drop back and throw it on virtually every snap. There's different elements to this Carolina offense that are going to give Wade Phillips and that defense some fits, I think. Yeah, and, and to a certain extent, this is going to be a situation where you do kind of have two power approaches meeting in that game here. Obviously, you talk about that Denver defense, and the, the front seven there is you know a, a scary front seven that you get facing uh, Carolina, but the question is, can Carolina's power running game be able to chug out enough just to make you know play action and some different options open up for them? And I think definitely having Newton with the ability to run is going to be something that they're going to have to account for that they haven't really dealt with uh, in, in you know recent games here. I don't know if there's any quarterback in the league that gives you the skill set that Newton does from that perspective. No, and I think an interesting thing to look back at, and it's something that just popped into my head, and I'm going to have to do this get, as we gear up for the Super Bowl, is look back to see how Denver played against Kansas City. Because if you look at the quarterbacks that Denver faced this year, Alex Smith might be sort of the closest, not that he's a one-on-one comparison to Cam Newton. Cam Newton, he's, he's in a class by himself. And if you don't enjoy watching Cam Newton play football, then you might be watch, you know, might want to start watching a different sport because he's a joy to watch. But if you think about what Alex Smith and that Kansas City offense does, they do a lot of zone read stuff. They try to get Smith the ball on the edges a little bit here and then to mix things up. I'll be curious to go back, look at the tape from that game, those two games, and see what Denver did defensively because that might be sort of a window as to what they're going to try at least from times or maybe at their full game plan in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you do have to figure their strategy, the Denver defense against New England, their strategy largely seemed to be on their edge players. Look, just get up the field and get around their tackles. I don't know if you can do that against this Carolina team just because Cam Newton, if he's got the ball, is going to take off through a gap there, you know, flood right through the B gap when it opens up. Or if you're running the ball, you're going to be able to slow them down that way. So I think they're going to have to change up what they're doing in terms of their pressure schemes. It's not going to be the same type of thing we saw against New England. Yeah, and I think the issue for Denver is you've got to try to contain Newton, make sure he stays in the pocket, and then do you keep a defender sort of spying on him? A, who would that be? And B, if you do do that, you're opening yourself up to sort of that zone read option game that Carolina you know, they can use at times. I mean, one of Stewart's big runs in that game, he was lined up as an upback. Newton was in the pistol. It was a zone read look with Newton and Stewart meeting at the mesh point, but there was a running back behind Newton. They were going to run the speed option behind that. Yep. So if you've got somebody that you're wasting somebody to spy on Newton, you've got guys trying to keep contained. I mean, that's just a lot for a defense to handle just on one play. And now, granted, that was just one play, but I can guarantee you Wade Phillips is looking that looking at that and thinking, oh man, what am I going to do to combat that look? Yeah, now looking at uh, the Carolina defense here, one thing that does have to be a little bit of a concern is the potential injury to Thomas Davis, who did leave the game with a broken arm in the second quarter there, had surgery early this week, and there's talk that he may try to play in the Super Bowl. I don't know necessarily how effective he would be doing that, but I'll tell you, you look at the first two quarters here, and Thomas Davis was all over the field for that Carolina team. 
Yeah, he's a tremendous player. And let's just say that this is a guy that like dislocated a finger, popped it back in during the course of a play. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him <laughs> on the field for the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, it's a Super Bowl. It's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing, and I'm sure that he will do everything medically possible to get on the field. And when he's on the field, he helps this great defense be even greater. I mean, it really is a great defense. And Luke Keekley is a tremendous linebacker, heart and soul of that defense, but that's secondary as well. I mean, they've just got great players at each level, and – we talk a lot about the Carolina offense, but we can't sell that defense short. No, and, and this is a game I think that you know you look at it and and the initial matchup. I think a lot of people probably felt coming out of Sunday, and, and maybe it was just me, just the people I was talking to. But a lot of people initially saying, "Well, that Carolina team should be able to, to you know, they should be able to handle Denver no problem." But you look at this and you say, "Look, these are two good defenses." And while you can you can definitely make the case that the Carolina offense is better than Denver, I don't think it's a case where you're going to have a clear edge necessarily either way. I mean, I think this is going to be a pretty close, hard fought game between two very defensively stout teams that have some different issues on offense, different things that they can, you know, that they're good at versus, uh, you know, compared to each other. But I think the defense is here. You know, this is this is a Super Bowl that I think is going to be defined by defensive play more than anything else. I think that's right. And, you know, it might really just come down to which team is able to sustain and you know, one more drive, like which team is able to like put together like one extra drive in the second quarter. I mean, the second half of that game. And, you know, maybe it comes down to a special teams play, a turnover or something. But, you know, you figure this is two pretty evenly matched teams. Somebody's, you know, going to put together that one extra drive to pull out this win. If you are uh, Wade Phillips going into this game, trying to figure out how to scheme against Newton, you mentioned potentially potentially uh, looking into you know whether you have someone spying there. Phillips went to a little bit more zone, I think, than we saw from him in, uh, in the New England game. Do you think that's something they go back to just in terms of keeping defenders spaced out to contain Newton that way? It's definitely an option. I mean, if you think back to that Denver-New England game, New England's longest run of the day was from Tom Brady, and it was when Denver was in man coverage, and the flow of the receivers just pulled all the receivers to one side of the field, and that left the other side of the field open for Brady to scamper for 11 yards. If you've got Cam Newton in that situation, that's a 31-yard run, not an 11-yard run. So that's probably something Phillips is going to have to think about. Now, the flip side to that is, you know, Carolina likes to do a lot matchup-wise to get guys you know, from one side of the field to the other. They like to do a lot where they put Greg Olson as a single receiver in a three-by-one set. So you've got trips to one side with three receivers. You know, you might have Funchess Ginn and um, Corey Brown to one side, and then you've got Greg Olson on the other side. So if you've got zone across the board, you'll have Olson bracketed, but then you might have a disadvantage on the other side of the field to that trips formation. So it'll be interesting to see how these teams, you know, what these teams come up with. And we got two weeks to talk about it, so. Yeah, we do. We we've we do have. I love the two weeks before the Super Bowl. It really does get you ready for it. Uh, we are just about out of time today, though. And I know, Mark, we're going to be heading down to uh, the Senior Bowl, though, on uh, on Wednesday for the rest of the week. Yeah. So everybody else will be talking Super Bowl. We'll be down there in Mobile, having some you know having some seafood, some Southern barbecue, and getting our eyes on some some of these prospects that hopefully these guys want to play in the game in the Super Bowl next year. So maybe one of them will. 
Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be down there all uh, for the for the remainder of the week, actually. And so we will be doing a little bit more draft reporting uh, coming up later this week. We're going to have Shane Alexander coming on uh, on Thursday talking about the first ITP mock draft of the year. And then on Friday, we're going to do a little bit of live reporting uh, from the Senior Bowl as well, talking about what we've seen there. But we do have our regular daily podcast, or rather our regular weekly podcast, going to be coming out on Wednesday. We will see you then from ITP, the Quick Kicks podcast. We'll see you tomorrow.